Chavav Kislev Tafshinayin Zayin, Ner Sheni Shel Chanukah, coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York. I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. <laughs> Tefillah, also known by many as Shmor Na'aleinu, but the real name of the song is Tefillah, that's uh, from Oif Simchas, we open things up 
here on this special Hanukkah, Tavshin Ayin Zion edition of the Israel Show. My name is Mayor Weingarten. Welcome one and all. We're here each and every Monday, immediately following JM in the AM. That's 9 a.m. Israel, 4 p.m. No, 9 a.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Israel. And uh, you can hear us whenever you want on the Nachum Siegel Network app, which is available for free, absolutely free. Get it whenever you want for your uh, smartphone, your iPhone, your iPad, your iAnything, and even your Android. You can get one for your Android as well. And uh, you can listen to the show whenever you want on the archives if you miss it live. And we understand that. Lots of people, you should know that lots of people listen on the archives. That's fine. That's okay. You're all right. You're still okay. Um, we have uh, a great show plan. We have a two, uh, uh, we were promoting with Nachum before the show over at JMDAM. We have two hours worth of material, so we'll do our best to get in as much as we can, and the rest we'll leave for next Hanukkah. Hey, you got to leave something for next Hanukkah as well. Yonatan Razel came out with a brand new song. Well, it's not a brand new song, really. It's a cover of Hatov, which is a classic of Ben Sion Schenker's Zichrono Livracha. And he um, took the Ben Sion Schenker melody of Hatov Kilo, Chalura Chamecha, Behamurachem Kilo, Tamu Chasadecha, and um, brought in a huge symphony orchestra, as, he's, as he knows to do so well, and um, created this cover for that very popular song, and uh, he dedicated it to the memory of Rabin Sion Schenker, who passed away about a month ago. So here, world, uh, no, I don't know if it's the world debut, but it's definitely debut on the Nachum Siegel Network, Yonatan Razel with Hatov. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you. 
Great Yonatan Razel with uh, a cover of Hatov Kilo Chalura Chamecha, composed by Ben Sion Sheker Zichronoli Vracha, passed away approximately a month ago. And Yonatan Razel dedicates that song to his memory. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Candle number two of Hanukkah, candle number one of Hanukkah is my mother's birthday, and uh, I join her and all her friends and family in wishing her a happy birthday, Shnot Briut Osher Vinachat. We uh, are facing difficult times politically vis-a-vis the land of Israel. On Friday, as you probably know by now, the United States conspired with other members of the Security Council of the United Nations to pass a very harsh resolution. And it, 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 inf- it tells the State of Israel that they may not build anything, not expansion of current houses, not, of course, new houses. They may not do that anywhere in the quote-unquote occupied territories that were taken in the 1967 war. That means, ladies and gentlemen, let's make it clear, that means Yerushalayim, that means Ramat and Gilo and, and Ramot, and, and parts of Modi'in, and parts of Latrun, and... and Places that you can't imagine, and the uh, and the Jordan River Valley, and so forth and so on. Yes, there are areas that are disputed by Israel and the uh, Palestinian Arabs. We've discussed this before that nobody really had sovereignty over those lands. In, uh, in any legal sort of way in modern times. And so it's hard to call Israel an occupier or somebody who who captured lands that didn't belong to her. Of course, we all know that the Jewish people have a connection to this land that goes back thousands of years. The UN, the UN uh, um, decision also 
affects the Kotel. It also affects Harabayit, of course. It also affects the Jewish quarter of the city of Yerushalayim. Can anybody take it seriously? Well, most of the world does. I think the most, there were, there were two cynical votes. The United States abstained, thereby allowing this vote to go through for the first time since Jimmy Carter. This puts Jimmy Carter and President Obama into the same, into that same category. And for all the Jewish liberals who were so supportive of President Obama and always believed that he will have Israel's back, I don't think, I hope, I hope they don't support this. They may understand it. I hope they don't support it. But there's a piece of Jewish history that goes back 2,200 years or so. In fact, it is directly connected to the Hanukkah story. And how much more relevant can this be? We've spoken about this before a few times. On Jam in the AM and a few times here. But it must be repeated over and over. This is a sentence that needs, I think every Jewish kid needs to learn this sentence in school and know it by heart. It is the essence of what is going on now. It is the re- History is repeating itself almost to the T. Here's the story. Sometime after Hanukkah, meaning the first Hanukkah, the liberation of the Bet HaMikdash, the uh, lighting of the menorah. Some time goes by and there is the next Antiochus. And he's upset with Judah the Maccabee's successor, Shimon the Maccabee, the Hashmonai. Remember that what happens after Judah Maccabee is killed is that the succession of brothers take over and so forth, they become kings. There's criticism about that, but for a short time, relatively short time, they bring back sovereignty to the land of Israel, Jewish sovereignty. They're the kings. And they go back to liberate parts of Eretz Israel that the uh, Syrian Greeks captured from us, basically took away, I should say, from us. And uh, this quote, by the way, is brought down in the book of the Maccabees, the first book of Maccabees. It is in chapter um, 15. If you'd like to look it up, you could probably Google it very easily. This new Antiochus sends a message to Shimon the Hashmonai, who is the king of Judea after Shimon went out and captured recaptured liberated parts of Eretz Israel and he says to him this is quote atem lachadetem et yafov et gezer et hamitzuda sher biyushalayim you Shimon the Hashmonai you the Jews you captured and occupy the city of Yafo and the city of Gezer and the temple in Jerusalem. Vehem are Malchuti. But, says Antiochus, these are my cities. They're part of my domain. Ve'ata, and now, 
You stole this land from me and I want it back. You are illegal occupiers in this land, says Antiochus to Shimon HaChashmonai, to Shimon the Maccabee. Now, listen how the Jewish king, Shimon, the brother of Judah the Maccabee, answers him. And this is the part that I say every Jewish kid needs to know by heart. Lo eretz now we'll say it again with the translation. We didn't take someone else's land, some stranger's property, we're not ruling over somebody else's territory. This is our inheritance. This is the land of our fathers. Which at a certain time in history was taken from us unjustly by force. And now that we have the ability to do so, now that we have the ability to do so, we have taken back, we have returned the inheritance of our forefathers. I must say, a few years ago, this was really a, a lost story. Maybe some scholars knew about it, but it truly wasn't something that people would get up and pronounce and everybody would know. Well, it is now slowly, as more and more people speak about it, as we have been discussing it now for at least four or five years, and in Israel as well, it's become popular more and more people are aware of this amazing parallel. You, the UN, they're the new Antiochus. You tell us that we've occupied somebody else's land. No, 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 no. This is, this is nothing more than our inheritance, the land of our fathers, which was taken from us by force unjustly in history, and we have returned and you know how it became popular? A singer and composer by the name of Ovadia Hamama composed a song to those words, and that's, I believe, what really gave the push for this song, for these words that are so needed now to come to the fore and be uh, in the spotlight of so many Israelis' lives when they repeat the words over and over again, Lo Eretz So here it is, the original song by uh, Ovadia Hamam off his album Shamayim Va'aretz. Um, I can't think of a more appropriate Hanukkah song. Most sure, sure, all these things, Nerli, Sivivon, all that stuff, yeah. But this is the real story of Hanukkah, if you ask me. The return of Jewish sovereignty to the land of Israel, as the Rambam says. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Vadya Khamama with those uh, very inspiring words. Uh, for those who asked, some on the app are commenting. <clears throat> it is the first book of the Maccabees, and it is in chapter 15. You can find it all online. You can Google it. It's out there. It's in English. It's in Hebrew. It's in Latin. Whatever language you like. Let's get to the UN. A little analysis about the uh, insanity, I guess, 
I would call it insanity, that was the uh, UN decision, the decision by the UN Security Council, and the lack of a veto by the United States for the first time in 40 years and the second time in 70 years. Why is this so bad? Let me just give you some pointers and then we'll play for you some audio of various uh, commentators in the U.S. And you'll hear what uh, their points are, very well-known commentators. First of all, this has an effect on any possible negotiations with the Arabs. Why should any Arab make any concession to Israel when they see that the uh, the world, the UN, and the United States are basically doing the work for them? And we see that this, in fact, happened since day one of the Obama administration, eight years ago. One of the first things President Obama did was send a very strong message through Hillary Clinton to Prime Minister Netanyahu, not one brick, no more building settlements, quote-unquote, settlements. No building over the green line, including Yerushalayim. And for most of these eight years, the state of Israel hardly built anything. Hardly. They were constantly holding back even plans that were pre-approved because Prime Minister Netanyahu was petrified of the American reaction. And yet, it didn't help because the Arabs just pulled back even more, fortified themselves even more in their in, the, in their um, idea that the world will take care of it for us. If America is doing our work, why do we have to do at work? Point number two, it resends the message to the U.S. allies. You can't trust the U.S., This is what's happened for eight years. The allies of the U.S. get kicked in the pants, and Iran gets gets beautiful deals, and Castro, the dictator, the ruthless dictator, gets a, a stamp of kashrut from Obama, from President Obama. And the United States Embassy is opened in in Cuba, what do we learn from, from all this? Well, I'll tell you what the Saudis learned. They learned that America is not somebody that they can rely on, and that's bringing about a rapprochement between Saudi Arabia and Israel. But that is not a good message to send. U.S. allies, you can't rely on the U.S. It also makes a statement. This is the thing, the most important thing. Yes, they talk about the fact that they killed hundreds of thousands, probably close to a million, in Syria. Russia's bombing, carpet bombing. I can't even imagine if Israel would do one one millionth of what is being done in Syria, what condemnation we would get. Eh, the world's uh, whistling along. 12 million refugees. Oh, they talk about the refugees, the Arab refugees who need a state that, that in 1948 ran away. 12 million refugees are scattered now around the Arab world and now have infiltrated parts of Europe. 
and are coming to America as well. But, uh, Israel, you want, you want to see us get really angry? Israel can't build in it. It's a message to Israel, and I think it's a message Israel already knew. You can't always rely on the U.S. And it'll create tremendous headaches for Israel in the international forum, in the world international world court, the BDS movement. This will open up tremendous opportunities, quote-unquote, for the enemies of Israel to uh, to attack her. So to me, those are the main points. There are other points, and you'll hear them in some of the clips uh, that we'll play for you um, soon, I guess. Yeah, we'll go to a song, and then we'll do we'll do those clips. We'll remind you that the Israel Show is sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh. Yay, Nefesh Benefesh. Nefesh Benefesh, what can I tell you? They light the candles of of Judaism, of Aliyah, of Israel, throughout North America, helping Jews make Aliyah to Israel, Jews that are very much interested in doing so, and I don't blame them. They need aid sometimes, they need uh, aid, financial aid, they need help with government uh, bureaucracy, they need help in finding jobs, so many things that Nefesh Benefesh does, so many things that they do in order to facilitate the Aliyah and making each one's Aliyah as successful as possible. So go and take a, I always suggest this, take a look at their website, even if you're not contemplating Aliyah tomorrow, take a look at their website, www.nbn.org.il, and Israel Show is proud Super proud to be sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh. Okay, let's get to some Hanukkah songs. Let's see what we should do. Oh, this is a... I, I, I happen to love this one. It's a very classic Israeli uh, Hanukkah song. The words were written by Chaim Nachman Bialik. I don't know who composed it. And this is a re- retake by an Israeli group called Avodot Afar, was put out in 2013 as part of an album of uh, current Israeli artists covering um, traditional Hanukkah songs. Lichvod HaChanukah. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Yeah. 
Yesterday I saw a, uh, a video clip of uh, our friend Dr. Avshalom Kor explaining that in that song the word Hanukkiah does not appear because Hanukkiah is a uh, modern word. It was um, brought into the Hebrew language from Italian Jewry by uh, the wife of Eliezer ben Yehuda and many authors and Hebraists of the time didn't like it. And they didn't accept the word Hanukkiah. What was used before that? Minorat Hanukkah. The Hanukkah menorah. So um, it doesn't appear in that song because Bialik was not a big fan. Uh, my name is Mayor Weingarten. Yes, I should remind you of that. And you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Networks. So let's get to the clips. We're going to play um, a bunch of clips. And I'll tell you the truth. Most of these clips... Are um, are against the UN resolution against the Obama administration's lack of a veto because we get beat so much by the media that I felt it's about time that we hear some positive. Now they're coming from two sources: Fox News, not surprising, but also CNN that had a very very interesting exchange. And uh, we'll get to that in a bit. We'll post tons of this stuff on our website today. We're going to post, of course, the links to all the music that you heard, so you can listen to it whenever you want, including the brand new Yonatan Razel cover of Hatov, Lo Eretz Nochriah, that we spoke about. And um, we will also put up clips to um, some of the story. We will put up um, links to some of the stories that we covering with these links. So, Jonah Goldberg on Fox News, when he's asked, how could it be that Samantha Powers says that this vote doesn't diminish the U.S. support for Israel? Jonah Goldberg says... What Ambassador Power said is, this doesn't diminish the U.S. Uh, steadfast and unparalleled commitment to the security of Israel. That's not how Israel's interpreting this. That's not how... Basically, any observer is interpreting this. This is, uh, this is like me punching someone in the face. It's me saying, I'm not punching you in the face. Of course, this diminishes their stead- America's steadfast support for Israel. And I think what this does is reveal that all along, the rhetoric and posturing towards Israel concealed where their emotional heart is, which is they've always thought this was about the settlements, and uh, this is a way to, and they, they held off doing this earlier because they knew it would hurt Hillary Clinton. Now that Hillary's gone, they're doing it simply out of spite and, and out of a, a sense of sort of emotional commitment to uh, screwing Israel. Yeah, I think a lot of people agree with that. And uh, Molly Hemingway, what it says about the Obama administration's general dealing with foreign policy. And showing this kind of moral cowardice and abstaining on this vote, uh, not supporting this democracy, is a perfect coda to eight years of foreign policy bungling and impotence. Yeah, bungling and impotence, that would be a pretty good way of putting it. 
let's look at Syria, let's look at ISIS, let's look at Iran, let's look at everything that's going on in the Middle East and see how this administration just didn't get it from day one. Now, many people are saying there's no real cost. That that means there's no sanctions that are being put on Israel and so forth. And Charles Lane on Fox News tells us why this does have some some implications. This does change something real. It changes international law. Security Council resolutions are international law. And that's a tremendous um, weapon now in, in diplomacy that the Palestinians can wield. You see, I think that allowing these commentators to make these these points, the points for us, is important because we hear what we can answer and how we can respond to what people say and, and how we should understand what has happened. And uh, hearing it from really some of the top um, commentators in this field, I think, is very effective. Here's Charles Lane again about the implications vis-a-vis the BDS movement. The declaration of what's legal and illegal mm-hmm. uh, in, the, in the name of the Security Council is extremely important for propaganda purposes, mm-hmm. for legitimizing people who might try to make private sanctions like mm-hmm. the boycott, divest also movement. Also, the International Criminal Court mm-hmm. can play into this, too. Yeah, and the Arabs are planning on using that. The Arabs are definitely, they, they admit it, that they have folders, files, computer disks filled with cases that they are ready to bring to the international court, cases against Israeli soldiers, against pilots, against commanders, against politicians, and they are going to bombard Israel. And look, there's no doubt that what the United States is has, has started in this, well, hasn't started, but fed into, and, and what the United States and the United Nations are trying to do is to ostracize Israel, to make Israel into a pariah state so that nobody so that nobody will want to do any business business with Israel and as a result bring Israel down to its knees in a quote unquote legal way without violence, without resorting to violence. I should say physical violence. This is a different type of violence. Charles Krauthammer, one of the great spokespeople for Israel in the uh, in the general media, great writer, great thinker, grew up Orthodox, by the way, in Montreal. He makes a point here about how crazy this is, considering that the Jewish quarter, which has been occupied by Jews, lived in, resided in, for a thousand years is now being called occupied and how could you know the Jews occupy the Jewish quarter and, and so forth I would add to that it's not only about the Jewish quarter it's about all our holy sites it's about Harabite it's about the Kotel it's about Ir David all these areas that you know in Ir David this week they are opening to the public the original original walkway from the bottom of Ir David up to Harabai. These are the stones from the second to- uh, the times of the second Beit Hamikdash that were uncovered. I mean, can you can you make a clearer statement? Hey, we were here before. Remember us when stones and coins and bulas and and jugs and this week was discovered a uh, a pottery chart with the name Horkinus, which was 
obviously a bit very popular name in those days. We don't know who it belonged to exactly, but it's a name that we associate with the Hanukkah story. I'll post a picture of that on our Facebook page. So it's a lot more and a lot deeper even than what uh, Charles Krauthammer says, but he makes a good point. Here he is from Fox News. To give you an idea of how appalling this resolution is, it declares that any Jew who lives in the Jewish quarter of Jerusalem, the Jewish quarter inhabited for a thousand years, is illegal, breaking international law, essentially an outlaw, can be hauled into the International Criminal Court or into national courts in Europe, which is one of the consequences. The Jewish quarter has been populated by Jews for a thousand years. In the War of Independence in 1948, the Arabs invaded Israel to wipe it out. They did not succeed, but the Arab Legion succeeded in conquering the Jewish quarter. They expelled all the Jews. They destroyed all the synagogues and all the homes. And for 19 years, no Jew could go there. The Israelis got it back in the Six-Day War. And now it's declared that this is not Jewish territory. Remember, it's called the Jewish quarter, but it belongs to other people, and any Jew who lives there is an outlaw. That, that's exactly what we supported. The resolution is ex- explicit in saying settlements in the occupied t- territories and in East Jerusalem. In a way, the fact that the proposal says that, I mean, the uh, decision says, including Jerusalem, unites many Israelis who would have maybe supported this kind of resolution had it left out Jerusalem. But but no. And then the question is, why now? Right? Why did President Obama wait for eight years and wait until the elections are over to do this? He could have done this four years ago, six years ago. Here's... Uh, Charles Krauthammer's answer on that. So why now, with three and a half weeks to go, do you blow that up? In 2012, running for re-election, Obama spoke at the meeting of AIPAC, the big mm-hmm. Jewish lobby, and he said, is there any doubt that I have Israel's back? That's why he didn't want to do it while he was in office. That's why he didn't want to do it in 2016, so it would injure Hillary and show to particularly American Jews who tend to be democratic that it was all a farce. He does it on the way out, and that's part of why it's so disgraceful. He didn't even, he hit it until there'd be no consequence, and now he's out the door and the damage is done for years. That resolution cannot be undone. I think that's a very important point that not everybody understands. That resolution cannot be undone, and Krauthammer makes a great point. Uh, One of our listeners, Miami Harry, uh, sent me a link to the statement by Debbie Wasserman Schultz in which she condemns this resolution. I'll post that on our Facebook page. Thank you. I know that Senator Schumer came out against it and uh, numerous other Democrats, but I guess at this point they don't have much to lose. Well, one of Israel's strongest allies on this and on so many issues is former governor of Arkansas, Mike Huckabee. <laughs> Mike Huckabee is is more to the right than the Israeli right. I mean, it's, it's really fantastic to hear his point of view. This is from Fox News as well, although from a different... Um, a different one of their interview programs. Two clips from Mike Huckabee about this decision and about the status in general of Yehuda Vishomron, Judea and Samaria. 
These settlements are communities and neighborhoods with schools and curbs and gutters and synagogues and shops and permanent structures mm -hmm. where people live and raise their families. And Judea and Samaria belong to Israel. Obama is even saying that the Western Wall ought to be part of territory that's given back. This is insane. This is so beyond anything we've seen in 40 years. It's just stunning. This is about common sense versus insanity. Yeah. And for President Obama to push a policy that embraces mm -hmm. the Iranians and then goes and brushes back our one true friend and, and to somehow pretend that Israel doesn't have a right to protect themselves, to live in a secure environment, uh, a place for their people to live. And Judea and Samaria are not illegal territories. They are the God-given boundaries that Israel has rightfully uh, taken possession. Yeah. As yamru bagoyim, higdil Hashem la Okay, we're going to take a musical break, and then we'll get back to clips. The uh, coming, the clips coming up after this are from CNN. Yes, CNN. Wow. Uh, from the same album that we uh, brought you, Lechvora uh, Hanukkah. This is a uh, new version of Mao's Tzur done by Tamara Kapsuta. We've heard music from her several times before. I must tell you, I'm in love with this particular version of Ma'oz Tzur, off of Omanim Mivatzim Shirei Chanukah. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
but I just love it, Tamar Kapsuto, maybe because it's beautiful, with a remake of Ma'oz, or one of the gazillions of versions out there. At the end of the show, God willing, and that's coming up soon, we're going to play yet another Ma'oz tour, and this one adds a stanza that takes into account. Don't forget Ma'oz tour is about the different uh, galuyot, the different exiles that we went through, and the miracle of Hanukkah, and ends with a stanza asking for the final Geula. And so some have written another stanza talking about the beginning of our Geula, as we have seen the many miracles. We're getting back to clips um, regarding the UN decision and the United States uh, abstention, which allowed it to go through, withholding the veto. We are now going to share with you some some of the voices that we were heard on CNN. Now, this is interesting. There are three people in this uh, panel. Dennis Prager, who is very vocally conservative and pro-Israel. Alan Dershowitz, who is a liberal, but very pro-Israel, but a liberal. And Peter Beinart, who is a real big liberal, <laughs> who... Um, believes that Israel must leave all of Yehudan Shimon for its own good. For its own good. So let's start with uh, Dennis Prager talking about how unprecedented um, this is. The, um, the U.S. is not vetoing the resolution. The unprecedented nature of all of this is really the unprecedented nature of the Obama administration leaving with a final kick uh, at Israel. One can only say that one wishes that the, that the president had as uh, loving a relationship uh, to uh, the, the democratically elected president or prime minister of Israel as he does uh, for the uh, as he did for the dictator of of Cuba. And that's such a great point, right? So the, this love affair between. Um, President Obama and the Castros and the communists versus uh, his antipathy for um, for Bibi Netanyahu. Here is Alan Dershowitz. And the point he's making, he, he's making a subtle point, but he's pulling in a lot in. He's making the point that what what was terribly wrong about doing this was that now President Obama has, has handcuffed or tied the hands of the new president with this 
this UN decision. So that now Donald Trump, if he wants to do stuff, he's hampered by the decision. And that's not the right thing to do just before you're leaving. On the way, Alan Dershowitz gets in a lot of good um, pro-Israel points. Here he is from CNN. What he should not do is change America's policy 40 years at the United Nations. If the Security Council resolution goes through, it completely ties the hand of an incoming president. You can't undo a Security Council resolution. You can't take away a veto. And this Security Council resolution is an invitation to the International Criminal Court to go after Israel. It's an invitation to the BDS movement to start sanctioning Israel. It's a very, very bad resolution. And there's a big difference between an outgoing president making a speech and changing the policy, which can then be changed by the incoming president, and doing something permanent and irrevocable. And that's why I think Donald Trump did exactly the right thing. He said to the president, you do what you want in the last days of your administration, but don't tie my hands. And uh, why does Alan Dershowitz think that Obama is doing this? And he is then interrupted by Peter Beinart. This president is acting undemocratically. 88 senators are opposed to this. The vast majority of Congress, the vast majority of the American people. This is a parting shot by a frustrated president who thinks to, more uh, of his own legacy. Uh, okay, Alan, let, let me just finish one point. Then the Alan, you have no right. Alan, you have no right to slur the president in ad hominem way. You don't know what his motivations are, and that's beyond the pale. That that's amazing to me. I love how they come up with these arguments. Oh, oh, you can't slur the the president. They, I mean, the left can say whatever they want about President Bush that he lied and people died and he 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 knew that there were no WMDs. They can say whatever they want, but Alan Dershowitz, who said something really almost parva in in that sense about Obama. No, he's not He's not allowed to say that. And so, of course, they interrupted him. Now, here's a little speech that Peter Beinart gives about the occupation, what the occupation is, what it means to the Arabs. This is how the left wing in Israel as well, and surely the left wing in America, I would say the majority of American Jews think, um, of how Israel is treating the Arabs. Unfortunately, or fortunately, I should say, a lot of what he's saying is just not true and uh, needs to be put in the proper light in order to understand what is going on. And um, the clip right after that, Dennis Prager is trying to respond by saying, okay, let's say that is the situation. Who is responsible for that? Because even if you concede that this is the situation in Yehuda and Shomron, why are they still in this situation? We have to understand what settlements mean. You are entrenching Israeli control over a territory where Palestinians live under military law, lack free movement, are not citizens in the state in which they live, and lack the right to vote for the government of their country. And we Jews have all of those rights. Many of the settlements, according to the Israeli government, are built on Palestinian, individually owned Palestinian land. What settlement growth means is that you essentially use the fact that they are non-citizens to take that land from them and give it to Israeli Jewish settlers. That's morally wrong, and many of Israel's own leaders have said it's very bad for Israel. That's just a lie. That last part is just a lie. That they take advantage and take private property and use it for Jewish settlements is an absolute lie. And I have a feeling that he knows that. 
And we'll end off with this clip from Dennis Prager. It is morally bankrupt, I'm sorry to use those terms, to blame Israel for the lack of peace in the Middle East. In the history of the world, when there has been a conflict between a democracy and an autocracy, there is not a single instance where the democratic and free state was the, was the obstacle to peace. There isn't, a, this would be the unique exception in human history that the free people wanted war and the autocracy wanted peace. It is morally sick to blame Israel for the lack of peace in the Middle East. Yeah, okay. is, is, in the West that, Bank, that's, Dennis, that's what needs Dennis, to be stated. You and I Wait, who, do you, who you, do you blame? And that went on. We're going to post a link to that, and um, I think that you will find it a really, really good uh, two very smart pro-Israel advocates, Dennis Prager and Alan Dershowitz. Who are, they're not only very smart, they're articulate and they know how to argue. Um, for a change. I mean, it's the first time I remember that CNN had two pro-Israel people against one... Uh, let's say, anti-Israel a person. We're going to end off, we are way over time. We're going to end off uh, as much as we can play of uh, the Ma'oz tour by the group called Ayelet HaShachar. They have the added stanza to the, uh, the Ma'oz tour. tzur We thank the God of redemption, Al-Geulah Asher Heichel. We thank him for the redemption that has begun. With great miracles, God gathered his people, Bet Yisrael. Bring the Redeemer and his light, that of the Redeemer, may it shine. We will come to your home, with the instruments and the songs of praise. Thank you so much for listening to The Israel Show. Thank you for all your Facebook likes and comments. So much is going to be posted on this week's Facebook page, including links to all the music and others. Uh, Facebook.com slash The Israel Show. Facebook.com slash The Israel Show. Please give a like to the page if you haven't yet. Thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network. And my very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network, one hour of great Jewish music, followed by headlines with David Lichtenstein, and then a great Monday Hanukkah music marathon. Until next time, we meet. This is Mayor Weingarten wishing you Hanukkah Sameach and reminding you that, oh, wait, no, 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 I have to tell you this. This week on JM in the IM, live in studio, Tuesday is Gershon Varoba, Wednesday is Arye Kunstler, and Thursday is Lenny Solomon. You don't want to miss it. JM in the AM, keep it tuned. Until next time, we meet Mayor Wine. Got to remind you the nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race.